Hello everyone, and welcome to Novelty from the North Situate Library. I'm your host, Catherine, and every month I review a couple books and give you a look behind the shelves at the secret and sometimes maybe not very scandalous lives of library workers. Today I'm reviewing Pet by Akweke Amezi. Pet is a near-future magical realism book about a girl named Jam, who lives in the city of Lucille. Lucille was founded after a revolution that destroyed all the monsters, in the sense of human monsters, people who abuse and harass and otherwise harm people. Jam and her friend Redemption grew up knowing that there were no monsters in Lucille. But then Jam meets Pet, a creature with horns and claws and feathers and a voice like nails on a chalkboard. Pet is there to hunt a monster, and Jam is supposed to help. This book builds a really interesting and vibrant world, and Amezi just gives you tiny tastes of it throughout. It's tightly restricted to the view of a teenager who grew up here and doesn't know much about how things came to be the way they are. It's just clear that they have good healthcare, including trans healthcare, and a lot more social support than we'd see now. There's a general sense that people have more freedom to follow their passions, and a lot of evidence that the children in Lucille see a lot less hardship than our kids do. And that's good. And bad. The book's big question is, how do you save the world from monsters if no one will admit they exist? And I think it's a very important one, and relevant on a lot of levels. I am part of, and occasionally manage, communities online that prioritize the safety of marginalized people, and it's very important to remember things like, just because someone's nice to you, that doesn't mean they're a good person who deserves to stay in your community. Just because someone belongs to a group you respect, that doesn't mean that they are worthy of your respect. It's a particularly important message for young queer people, I think. Pet won a Stonewall Book Award in 2020, and I think that's largely because the main character is trans, but something I see a lot in queer spaces is the idea that you are part of the queer community because you fly one of our flags. The inclusivity in that is important, but it's also dangerous. You can't trust someone just because they identify the same as you, Because in any group of people, there are people who will take advantage in that trust in a flag or a way of presenting oneself or a label. It's very easy to fall into the idea that the queer community is one big family, but communities have to be built through shared values and earned trust. And even then, you can't assume there are no monsters. Pet is available in print as a traditional audiobook and as an ebook or audiobook through the eZone, as you like it. I recommend it in a general sense. It's a good young adult book for adults to read, and it gets you thinking about identity and society. We read it this month for the Queer Book Club, which hasn't actually met yet. If you want to give it a read, there are several copies available at the library right now, and I will post a link to our Discord in the show notes. Hi everyone, this is Miss Elise. I hope you have all been able to enjoy this mostly sunny June. I know a lot of the kids are looking forward to summer vacation, 
and probably a lot of the teachers. Here at the library, we're gearing up to bring you some fun activities to do during this much-needed vacation. Before I tell you about all the upcoming fun, I want to talk to you about a beautiful picture book I recently read. This book is also a 2020 Caldecott winner. Its name is We Are Water Protectors. It's by Carol Lindstrom and illustrated by Michaela Goad. A young girl tells a story that her Nokomis, or her grandmother, told her about a black snake that would poison the water and kill the plants and animals. Now the black snake is here, and it is time to rally together to fight against it to save the earth. As she says in the book, we stand with our songs and our drums. We're still here. Will you stand up against the snake with her? This book has beautiful, bold illustrations. And we learn from the author's note that it is inspired by the indigenous-led movement, like the one by the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe against the pipelines and other pollutants that were affecting the water supply. The Black Snake is based on the Ojibwe story, the Seven Fires Prophecy, which says that if humans chose the natural path, then there will be peace, unity, and a healthy Mother Earth. This is a great book for young children or pretty much anyone who loves picture books or saving the planet. I definitely recommend it. If you would like to check it out, you can find it on display with our other new picture books. So, as you know, summertime is fun time to visit the library. Well, any time is fun time to visit the library, but it is especially fun in the summer, and I'll tell you why. On July 6th, our summer reading program will be kicking off, and I'm so excited to tell you that almost all of the programs for kiddos and teens will be outside, in person, at the gazebo across the street. We'll have some family story times, yoga, crafts, and our first ever outdoor escape room slash treasure hunt. I'm also very excited to tell you that Mobile Quest will be coming again with some excellent STEM programs. And we will be having a visit from some special animals from the Denison Pequot Soapsis Nature Center in Mystic, Connecticut. Yay! If you stop by in the summer, you'll be also be able to check out one of our brand new kits that we were able to purchase thanks to a grant. And when you come in, don't forget to sign up for one of our super awesome reading games. I hope to see you all over the summer or even at the kickoff party on July 6th. Hopefully you can make it. But if not, stop by anytime after that to register. And I will see you soon. Happy summer. Bye. Now for our little peek behind the shelves. I actually took a break in recording to talk to Jen, and it's a good thing I did because there isn't really much going on. You see one cookbook club, you've seen them all, right? But she had big news. Apparently Bill... And I feel like I shouldn't be calling him New Guy Bill after six months of this, so please email me with a new nickname if you think he needs one. 
Bill came to her library with a proposal. He wants to write up the cookbook club and our collaboration and our libraries for his magazine, Lambton Cuisine. He even brought a draft of the article for her to read. They chatted a little bit and she was really excited. Then she read the article and remembered everything she hates about Bill. I have struggled greatly with this column, he wrote, but I can repress my feelings no longer and I must tell you about a club I've been attending at my local library. The article was rough, but the plan was there to detail all his negative feelings about library events, how it was below him to consider attending, how a dear friend had to cajole him into attending, and how the home cooks he found there couldn't cook their ways out of a paper bag. He lambasted our book choices, our format, the fact that it's on Zoom, which, fair, and the very concept of libraries. And... He presented it to Jen as if it were a rave, something that would be a great benefit to the club and her library and her career, as if he was doing her some great favor. Jen was, of course, furious and ranting. How she had tried to play nice with this guy, but he was just beyond niceness. I didn't comment on that, but she knows as well as I do that she has never once played nice with this guy since his slip up back in January. But I just let her rant. She said he had to know what he was doing, that this was the most backhanded of compliments, that ironic detachment wasn't even in style anymore. I think the exact quote was, what does he think it is, 2010? She mentioned that she didn't even understand why he came to her when all of us were available. If it was because her library was nearest home, because he was getting back at her for his demo, because he wanted her gratitude or her good opinion, after the way he treated me, after the way he's acted every month, she sort of spiraled after that point. She called him arrogant and selfish and, well, she used a lot of foul language really, but in general, the point of everything was that he is the last man in the world she wanted to work with. When she finished, I let it sit in the quiet for a moment. I was angry too, of course, but I said, Well, then it's good he left it with you instead of waiting for your feedback, because we can absolutely turn this in our favor. She groaned, but I actually think this could be great for us, for library programming in general. Lambden Cuisine isn't exactly bon appetit, but it also hasn't had a controversy like them. Showing what we do in our way to that audience, it's too big an opportunity to turn up. We just have to figure out how to make the new guy play ball. Oh shoot, I said it again. (sighs) Next time I'll do better. If you like this show, you should check out Downtime with the Cranston Library as well. Let's hear a little from them. I'm Taylor Cardillo, host of Downtime with Cranston Public Library Podcast. Each week, I chat with library staff as well as authors and other special guests about what they've been reading. I have never read anything like them in my entire life, and I mean that as like the highest compliment. What they've been watching. It's really funny and heartwarming. I loved it. I can't recommend it highly enough. And what they've been loving. Basically, get around a table and roll dice with your friends and do dumb things as barbarian characters, and magic wielders. New episodes are released every Tuesday. Subscribe to Downtime on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcasts.
This month's cookbook is Scoop 125 Specialty Ice Creams from the Nation's Best Creameries by Ellen Brown. I want to preface this review with a couple things. First, Scoop isn't a new book. It's actually 10 years old. Second, I chose it because I am tired of food. I think I've mentioned this before, but I was looking at all of our cookbooks and I couldn't decide on a single thing that I wanted to try. And it's not because the books are no good. The books are great. It's because I just don't want to cook or eat. So ice cream seemed like the obvious choice. Ellen Brown was a founding food editor for USA Today and a longtime food columnist for the Providence Journal. I found that this book is quite rooted in Rhode Island. There are 20 recipes in the book from our state, mostly from the Daily Scoop in Barrington and Cold Fusion Gelato in Newport. The majority of the sherbet recipes were from a now-defunct company called Gaga's in Warwick. And there was one seasonal recipe for chestnut ice cream from New Rivers Restaurant in Providence. I think it's really fascinating that I picked up this book for ice cream and I found local ice cream. The write-ups on the different featured creameries were really fun to read. I made French vanilla ice cream because I pretty much had everything I needed on hand other than stopping to pick up some cream. Just a bunch of milk products, egg yolks, salt, and vanilla. The book's directions on making a custard were very well written. I had way less trouble than I expected, though I definitely think part of that is due to me knowing that custards can be tricky and taking extra care. This recipe takes a long time, but most of it is downtime. I had to make room in my freezer and freeze my ice cream maker attachment overnight. I had to let the custard cool in the fridge for about three hours so it would be cold enough for me to churn. And after churning for about 30 minutes, I had to freeze it for a few hours before it was hard enough to eat without it melting into a goop. And even then, it seemed like it might be better next day. One mistake I made in the recipe is not measuring the vanilla properly. When I bake, I feel like I can usually eyeball a teaspoon of vanilla pretty readily, and that saves me a spoon to clean. But in this recipe, I definitely overdid it. I poured what I thought was the requisite two teaspoons into my egg yolks, and then I looked at it like, uh, yeah, that's way too much. It was probably more like a tablespoon, so not crazy, but still a lot of vanilla. But I figured, no big deal. A little extra vanilla never hurt anyone. And it turns out that it is way too strong. So follow your recipes, kids. The first time, anyway. The ice cream is still a rich, tasty delight, and I'd love to try it with a vanilla bean sometime, if I can get my hands on one. Despite the hassle of chilling the attachment, I'll probably make more ice cream this summer, which I did not expect when I picked up the book. If this sounds like a fun, light reading experience for you, but you don't have an ice cream maker, Brown wrote a lot of books in her lifetime, often with a very tight focus like this one. Donut Nation, The Complete Meatball Cookbook, Mac and Cheese, and more like that. There's a lot of them to be found in our catalog if ice cream doesn't do it for you. Thank you for listening to Novelty. Please note that the opinions in this podcast are my own and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoint of the North Situate Public Library. The Behind the Shelves segment is a work of fiction, and any similarities to real people is unintentional. Today we mentioned Pet by Akweke Amezi, We Are Water Protectors by Carol Lindstrom, and Scoop by Ellen Brown. I'm including links to all the books we discussed in the show notes, as well as a link to a transcript of the episode and to all of our social media. 
If you can't get enough library content, visit situatelibrary.org to learn about all our services and programs. Or you can check out Downtime with the Cranston Library. There will be a link for that as well. Also, please send us feedback on the show. Leave us reviews wherever you can do that, or even just drop us an email. I'm at Catherine at situatelibrary.org, and Elise is at Elise at situatelibrary.org. We'd love to hear from you.